Just a word of thanks to the choir for blessing us today. Wasn't that just a beautiful anthem? That was just great. Thank you all. And also, I wanted to mention to you, some of you may have recognized that we had what appeared to be new offering plates this morning. Um, Those actually are historically some of the oldest offering plates in the building. Um, They were discovered by Kathy Barnes, uh, and what had happened was that they had become so covered with residue that they were thought unreclaimable 10 years ago, and so new offering plates were purchased at that time. And she thought to herself, I'm not sure that these are unreclaimable. And so she had one of them worked on, and they were just brilliant um, in their beauty. And so we decided to restore all of those and retire the new ones that we bought. And so um, I wanted to make you aware of that change in our worship this morning. And as far as, as Francois, I'm not up to the challenge. But God is up to the challenge of anything, isn't he? He is up to the challenge of anything, and so you all pray for me that God will do more than any of us expect is possible with this sermon I'm about to preach. (laughs) Jerusalem was filled with visitors, even more than had been there at Passover. That's the way it always was with the festival of weeks. Shout, this festival of the Jewish people was a time of celebration of the giving of the law, the Torah that Moses had received on Mount Sinai for the people. Uh, The Jewish heritage is that it was 50 days between the leaving of Egypt and the arriving at the base there of Mount Sinai. I don't know that this is not some uh, way of doing heavenly math because it surely must have taken them longer to get from one of those locations to the other. But even if this was some kind of sacred math, it does make sense what people were reaching for. You know how it is, seven weeks between Easter and Pentecost, seven weeks, seven days for each week. Do your math. Seven times seven is 49 plus one is 50. You get to Pente, Pente. This day of celebration, Pentecost. They were caretakers of God, the Hebrew people. They were the ones that had been cared for by God. And they saw themselves to carry the responsibility of the caretaking of God. This is why the temple was so central to their lives calling in not only those who lived locally in Jerusalem, but those that lived in far-flung places to come and to be there on those high moments of celebration. They had come together there, close to the place that was the center of worship. And there in the center of worship was the Ark of the Covenant that housed these laws that had been received by Moses on Mount Sinai. The faithful gathered, year after year they gathered, bringing their family and their friends with them. They filled the streets of Jerusalem. 
Now, in our reading this morning, some of you may have been aware that this sounded familiar, just the writing of it. Those scholars that have read believe very strongly that this is the second edition that Luke put out. It is the continuation of his writing of the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can feel it in the words that are written. At the end of Luke's gospel, Jesus gave instructions, stay here in the city and you will be clothed with power. It's almost palpable as he speaks to them the importance of waiting, prayerfully waiting upon what the Lord will do next. Waiting can be very, very difficult. You know that. I was reflecting on one of the most difficult times of waiting that I've had in my life. It was when I was a preschooler. My mother and dad decided to go off on a trip together. My sister was too young to be left with my grandparents. And so it was just my brother and myself that were left there in Cartersville. Now, we loved our grandparents. It wasn't a matter of not loving them or being loved by them. But we, I particularly felt abandoned in that place. They had gone off to have fun, to go up to Niagara Falls, in fact, to see that great uh, spectacle of water there. And they were going to be gone for quite some time. They left us there. It wasn't anything that my grandparents didn't do. I can remember my grandfather took me for a ride on his tractor. This was the most wonderful man. He sought to embrace me with his love, but it was not enough. It was not enough to span the gap between where I was and what I wanted to be. I can remember exploring the house there. For want of anything better to do, I ended up on the back porch washing their ringer washer. Some of you remember what that is. I pulled a stool up and was fascinated with all the motions, the gears and everything, and could not help but see the rollers that were there and had to touch those. It just had to happen, you know. And of course, the machine began to eat me alive. I was up to my shoulder in washing machine. Fortunately, the the little spring did what it was supposed to do. It didn't crush my arm, but it gave me a severe burn all the way up my arm. And I can still remember my grandmother scooping me up and running toward her neighbor's house. Grab the alcohol. Somebody get the alcohol, she called. She wanted to make things right, and she she could not imagine trying to explain this to my mother, I'm sure. I was in an utterly bad place, not because of the injury, just because of being distant from the ones that I so wanted to return to be with me. It wasn't but a few days, my grandmother told me, before mother and dad would return. When they did return, I can remember being so consumed with tears that I could not speak my mother's name. She said, what's wrong, Bill? I could not tell her what was wrong. I was so overcome with emotion 
that they finally had come home to get me. Have you ever been waiting like that? Have you ever waited in such expectation that it was almost painful, this waiting? I can't help but think that all of that kind of waiting, that prayerful waiting, is this incubation that works within us the wonders that only God can make possible. It was like that for sure for Paul on his road trip to Damascus where he was struck by the light. You remember the story, how it seemed so instantaneous. And yet I don't believe it for a minute. I believe that there was much that was at work within his life. How early on, I don't know. He loved God. He just did not know God in the form of Jesus. And it took that bright light to get him to that point. But God had been working on him low these many years. And surely... You remember the story of how Paul stood holding the cloaks of those that were stoning Stephen to death. And Stephen offered his life up to God, even as Christ offered his life to God. And you know that this had this profound effect on the Apostle Paul. To the point that when he reached that midway on the road to Damascus, that God had incubated fully in him. This which was bound to happen. Jesus said, wait here until you're clothed with power. Those moments of power are amazing to see occur. occur. Now you and I, we knew this day was coming. Some of you even are wearing red, perhaps in uh, expectation of this being the day of Pentecost. I dress up well, don't I? Come on, look. This is the day of Pentecost. We celebrate. We come together because we know what's going to happen. But the disciples long ago did not know. You get that, don't you? They did not know what was going to happen. And they were waiting, painfully waiting in expectation of what God might be up to. Today is the anniversary of a special event. Surely you know what that is. 277 years ago, on this very day, on this very day, and you've heard me tell this story and Jonathan tell this story and many other pastors, a man by the name of John Wesley had become so discouraged in his walk that he decided that perhaps it would be better if he were not a preacher at all. He was encouraged by some Moravian friends not to give up, not to give up. He went to a gathering of a society of Moravians that were at Aldersgate. And when he was there, he felt his heart strangely warmed by the presence of God in that place. Let me read to you what he wrote in his journal. This was on May the 24th, 1738. In the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, 
and saved me from the law of sin and death. But let me tell you, that doesn't happen if you're not waiting on it. If you're not waiting for God to act in your life, God is very unlikely to act in your life. I am not saying that it is impossible for God to act out of outside of our willingness to see him, but he works much better if you and I are longing for him to be present with us. Sue and I were in Savannah. We just had gone down there to hold hands and to walk down River Street. We came by a street preacher. Maybe you've seen him there. I imagine that he frequents the place. He was calling out to any who would listen, and those were very few, including myself. He called out citizens of Savannah. That didn't include me. I was not a citizen of Savannah. Citizens of Savannah, he said, you must be born again. I did pause. But I hadn't come there for preaching. I wasn't going to stick around and listen to this guy. I hadn't come there to meet God on the streets. I'd come to romance Sue on the streets of Savannah. We moved on down to where things were really happening. There was a traveling team of persons that had their some exhibit uh, of traveling parrots. And I can remember there were about 80 of us that stood around for an hour watching these parrots do various things. I don't really remember much now what those parrots did, just that they were there. And I guess the guy's still preaching and saying, citizens of Savannah, you must be born again. I wonder if anybody's waiting to hear him. I wonder if anybody's taking it in. When the day of Pentecost had come, the Spirit blew into Jerusalem as it never had done before. They breathed in the Spirit, pneuma. They breathed out the Spirit. The Spirit was something that became a part of who they were. Today, the Renaissance Festival is going on in Fairburn, Georgia. Some of you have been there and have seen the fire eater. I'm sure he's busy at his work right now, just entertaining. It's high theater. As he takes this puff of flame and waves it so everyone can see, and then he deposits it into his mouth and it disappears as if he's eaten fire. I don't know that that's the way it worked for the disciples. But I can tell you this, that when fire came down, it started shooting out their heads, their ears, all over them. I have a feeling they were beaming with the light of Christ. These flames of understanding that permitted them even to speak in ways that none had ever imagined that they could. 
translating the gospel into languages of people that did not speak or understand Hebrew. They'd been away so long. This breathing in and breathing out of the Spirit. Can't you feel it? Aren't you waiting? Don't you sense God still working in this mysterious way? Take a breath. I mean, really, take a breath. Come on. With me. Breathe in. And exhale. Try this again with me. Breathe in. And hold it. And breathe out. The presence of God is something that you must wait upon. If you are not waiting, if we are not waiting, will power come? The gift of the Spirit is active. I believe that it will change the way we live in the world. It will incubate us into the people that God wishes us to be. As we come to the close of worship, we're going to sing together a beautiful hymn. It only has two verses. It's on page 347, and I want to open this altar for any here who would like to come and to kneel for just a few moments in prayer. Kneeling here at the altar doesn't mean that you are a better Christian than those that are seated in the pews. But I want you to know that this place is open. And if God is touching your heart, simply come down here and kneel for a few moments and acknowledge that. For those of you who would like to remain seated in your pews, acknowledge in your heart that God is the one upon whom you wait. And God will fill you with power.